Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Um, we continue with our study on delivered or saved from this present evil world, this part number six, uh, and I'm supposing this is going to be the last part, so I'll do a few bits of recap, and by next week we'll be going to another study based on the question that came to me the last time here, and some other persons also sent the question, uh, what do we really mean by sin unto death? Or what they call the unpardonable sin. So we're going to start with that next week so that we can get understanding about that. Praise the Lord. So again, um, our test remains the same Galatians 1, um, verse number 4. We say, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father? This is what we've been dealing with. And uh, last week I did mention something which is very, very important in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 11. Ecclesiastes 3, verse number 11. Scripture says he has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the wall in their hearts. In whose heart? The heart of men. So that no man can find out the world that God has made from the beginning to the end. In other words, man is always struggling to find out God's intent and purposes. Outside of God, you must understand, Ecclesiastes is actually a book that deals with the natural man. The natural man, not the spiritual man, in the true sense. That's what the Ecclesiastes is all about. You know, that's why Paul keep talking, I mean, Solomon keep talking about vanity over vanity, all his vanity, all of those things he talks about. It's actually a book for the natural man. So he said that the natural man will want to find out the things about God, but it is impossible. So one of the only places where you can find out God's intent and purposes is in his house, through his book. Did you get that? Yeah, by science you can discover God. Whatever research you want to do, you can find out God. But God has given this assignment to man that they keep finding, trying to find out, but then they really can't come out with anything. They can find God through natural research. If you take it from the New Century Version, which I'm sure you don't have there, it says, God has given them a desire to know the future. He does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand what he is doing. He just gives them the desire. So man is just inquisitive. They want to know about tomorrow. You know, sometime again you discover that that is part of what leads some of us, even in the church, to seeking what we call prophets. We want to know what tomorrow holds. We want to go to prophetic meetings so that we know what tomorrow is you know, it's supposed to be. But you see, in the truth sense, you are not supposed to go to any man to tell you about your tomorrow. You ought to know about your tomorrow because you're a child of God. You read the scriptures, you study, you pray, you seek his face, you come to the place of that divine relationship because you are born again. You should know what your tomorrow is. I mean, it is an aberration for me for, for God to be telling you your tomorrow to somebody else. I don't know why that is so important. Hallelujah. The New English Translation says this. 
Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 says, God has made everything fit beautifully in his appropriate time. But he has also placed ignorance in the human heart so that people cannot discover what God has ordained from the beginning to the end of their lives. Ignorance is in human heart. All the desire to search, they can find out. And that's what God has in mind for the natural man. But you know when you come to God, through the spirit of Christ, there's the revelation of not just God, but of the Christ, and of even your tomorrow. It tells you what is going to be the end, I mean the end of all things, as far as mankind is concerned. We should know. Hallelujah. The scripture reveals the ultimate end of all things, as far as creation is concerned. You know, man, creation, whatever. We know how it's going to end. We know what God is looking for. We know how it's going to end up at the end of the day. We know that through scriptures. But not from science. You can find it from science. There's no other study that you're going to go through to know what tomorrow holds. You can't. We only go into speculations and, you know, what will happen. Probably if we mix this with that, something will happen. All of that. You know, some of you, you may not have heard, we haven't through hearing now, that people are just kind of trying to say there's a greater pandemic that is coming, which is called phase two. After this, you know, how through their calculations and the things that they want to do, and so on and so forth. What I'm trying to make you say here is this. You can find God through all of those means. You can know the end of tomorrow through all of those means. And God is always going to disappoint men by trying to research him out. Praise the living God. If you really want to know about God, if you want to know what God has in mind, you want to know the end of that even which you call planet Earth, you go to God. Praise the living God. And you go to the book that tells you everything about creation. Praise the Lord. So the world, the cosmos, the organized system of man is not subject to the rule and the spirit of God. That's what I'm trying to bring out because everything man is trying to do is an organized system. The researching, all of these things. Without the spirit of God is what I'm saying. They just can't find God because they don't have God's spirit. We know that God reveals himself through to man by the spirit. Amen? So everything man is putting in place, they can't find out true solution. You know? Watch even some of those things you look, you look at. What is it you're going to think about? For instance, you have malaria, uh, fever, uh, drugs that comes up now. And sooner or later they tell you mosquitoes are becoming resistant to those drugs. So they have to look for another one. Am I correct? No, you can find a solution. There's never a time to be able to find a solution to any particular problem. Never a time. Praise the living God. You know, don't talk about looking for God. No. You can find God. Through all your experiments. Praise the Lord. So, this is the problem that man has. And we are saying all this organized system, political system, economic system, everything man has put in place to find solutions for happiness and joy. Outside of God, it's not going to produce that. They are not going to find joy, happiness, outside of God, no matter what they do. So economic analysts come, begin to tell you this. If you do this, the economy will be better. Tomorrow you find out the same formula they give to you is collapsing. And you are reversing to either the old one or you are, you know, booting out that one from office and getting somebody else to come in with the best economics to make your economy stand and so on and so forth. Man is not going to find joy outside of God. 
he has placed that ignorance in the heart of men. I mean, it's so profound. It's, it's, it's a level of ignorance. Ignorance of the things of God. They can find it. So we find that the fallen man, the product of the fallen man, out of the presence of God, through Cain and his grandchildren, they are all still being pushed. As we know. And like we said before, man's ultimate basic need are in three dimensions. I'm trying to recap. You know, because I will not come back to this subject. You go back and listen to all of the previous sections so you pick up from there. We said that man has three basic needs. How many of you remember that? Three basic needs and uh, we'll come to that. But again, we said in 1 John chapter 5 verse 19, the world said, and we know that we are of God, 1 John verse 19, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world lieth in wickedness. So it's like saying the whole world, the bed that the whole world is lying on is wickedness. The whole world lieth in wickedness. You see, they've made their bed on wickedness. Man is sleeping on wickedness. The whole world lieth in wickedness. And so, Remember the story in Genesis 4, where the world came into being? Like we said before, the world was not in the Garden of Eden. God did not create the world. Man created the world after the fall. You remember that? Yeah. Genesis 4, 20 again, I said. And then, um, these are the grandchildren of Cain from Limech now. Another by Jabel, or Jabal. He was the father of such as well in tents, and of such as have cattle. And then, and his brother's name was Juba. And then he was the father of us such as Handel, the harp, and organ. And then, Zila, she also bare Tubakin. So we have Tubakin, we have Juba, we have Jabel. Right? Okay. We said these three guys are the ones that actually opened up all the man is involved in pleasure, music, food, dance, you know, husbandry, if you will. Jabal. Tubacane, artifact, war, instruments. Remember that? Good. These are the three basic needs which are to do with food, shelter, and protection. I mean, food, yes, protection in terms of shelter again, and then you have uh, pleasure. So these are the three things that man, uh, every man, the natural man, is actually looking for. So again, I said, provision, protection, and what? Pleasure, right? Okay, let's hear what Jesus has to say about these things. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Let's hear what Jesus has to say about these things. Praise the Lord. Behold the fowl of the air. What he means to say is, look at the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into bands. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more? Are ye not much better than they? And verse 27 says, Which of you? By taking thought, can add one cubic unto his height. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto his height? Verse 28 said, And why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I said unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not as really like one of these. Wherefore, if God also, I mean, so clothe the grass of the field, 
which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall I no much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or where shall we be clothed? Take no thought for all these things that the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for its things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Enough trouble for today. When you wake up every day, there's enough trouble to handle. Is that okay? Praise the living God. Are, are you with me? All right. So, yeah, what Jesus is saying here, this is very important. Now, he said something which I want to remind you of. Remember, Ecclesiastes uh, 3 tests of something that God has placed in the heart of man ignorance, vanity, if you will, the search for tomorrow. He's asking you not to behave like these people. By implication, here again in verse 32, you say, For after all this thing, do the Gentiles, what are the Gentiles? The unbelievers, the natural man, ultimately all the time wants to know and have the thought of how tomorrow is going to be. Hallelujah. The thing is this for you not to take care of a thought for tomorrow. Is because you are already in your tomorrow in Christ. He's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are already in Him. Your tomorrow is secured in Him. So you don't act like the other people. Christ is your life, isn't it? Hallelujah. Are you, are you there with me? That's as they seek the kingdom. Seek the rule of God and your tomorrow is guaranteed. Praise the Lord. Are you following this? Don't act like the Gentiles. And the only way for you not to act like the Gentiles is to find yourself in Him. Let Him become your life. Let Him become what occupies your mind all the time. Seeking Him and walking with Him. And your tomorrow is guaranteed. So it's not about thinking about tomorrow. It's about thinking about Him. Who is your life? Going to the book of Colossians. Praise God. Seek ye first. The word first means the principle, the first thing. So, if you want to think about tomorrow, you start from seeking the kingdom. Then you find your tomorrow. Are you there with me? But seek for the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things shall be added. So the things we are actually pursuing are supposed to be addition. They come naturally by themselves because we are in the kingdom. They just come to us because we are in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. You see, the disciples of Jesus, Peter in particular, came up with a question and said, Listen, 
We, we, we have left everything. We have left everything. And we are following you. What's going to be our reward? Remember that? You know, somebody one time was saying, Peter was so, I said, no, 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 no. You don't employ somebody without telling the person the benefit of what he's going to get. You can't engage anybody without letting the person know what he's going to get out of following you or working for you. So you have the right question. And Jesus never dodged it. He answered the question. What was the answer? You who follows me. Whatever thing you lose right now in this world, you're going to get double of it. Fathers, mother, children, 100%. You're going to get. Now, that is not when you die and go to heaven. He wasn't promising Peter that. But what he was telling him is, right now you're with me, and after Pentecost, you're going to have more people come to you who are going to be your family members. Much more than the one you have now. So it was not something that Peter was going to get when he died and resurrected someday. No. He was just trying to say, on the other side, remember what is the word, at the time of the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit upon his throne, you shall sit upon three tribes, remember that, of the kingdom of Israel, and if you lose the father, you're going to have it, you lose land, you're going to have it. Guess what? What was the time of regeneration? That was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So it was not when he gets to heaven. And Peter got all of that, because how many people start following Peter? And then you're judging the clear tribe of Israel. What does that mean? Remember, Jesus was a judge by what he was saying. Remember that? Now, Peter and the rest of the apostles become judges in Israel. How? Because they were able to point out life and reality to them from what they've gotten from the Spirit. They were judges. And even now, they are still judges. How? Because anytime you read in the scripture or you want to make a statement or you want to correct somebody, you say, according to Peter. When you say, according to Peter, you're according to Paul, according to James, you are making them judges before the people. You referencing them to bootstrap what you are saying. So even now, they are still judges. Are you following what I'm saying? We have to understand this. So it wasn't saying, when you go to heaven, or when I come back again, and set up the kingdom, then you're going to be judges of Israel. No. Everything took place immediately. The Holy Spirit came down. When Peter came on that particular day, making proclamation from the upper room to the rest of the people, judgment began right there. Remember the people, the scripture said the people were pricked at hand and they said, Brethren, remember, what shall we do? That was judgment. Judgment came to them, conviction came to them. So it was not when they come back and the kingdom is set up, that is when the judgment is going to begin. No. Hallelujah. If you understand what judges means, okay, if you don't understand what judges mean, or to judge mean, you go back to the book of Judges. Why do you call that book the book of Judges? Deborah was a judge. Samson was a judge. Gideon was a judge. All of those people, they were judges. They were bringing correction to the people. That's what judgment means. I mean, to judge. Judgment is not sentencing people to death. Judgment is, is crisis. The word is a crisis from Crino. And it means, how do I put it? To get understanding to come to people. To decide what is wrong or what is right. Praise God. Let me try coming back home here. Hallelujah. You know, we read of how you're going to be standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Have you read that? 
Now, how many of you understand that the woman that was taking adultery was right on the judgment seat of Christ? <laughs> Are you still there? It's not just about tomorrow thing. That's what people don't know. Anyway, so the child of God stands out from what we read in the book of Matthew as a revelation of the divine power of Jesus Christ to come into the spirit of man. When you receive, you got it out of that ignorance that's in the heart of man. But with your rejection, you stand in as a divine revelation of Jesus Christ. As the spirit comes into your life. And change and make it lovely, pure, wise and powerful, people like God himself. Jesus will always say, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. It was the divine revelation of the invisible God, the God you can't see. You now begin to see God in human form. So every child of God ought to be a revelation of the invisible Christ. According to scripture sitting right now, the right hand of God. You reveal the invisible Christ. Hallelujah. Are we there? The man that is born from above, ultimate desire is to please the Father, and so seeking only the things from above where his spirit descended from. And that is where he derives his satisfaction from. Ecclesiastes 3 is telling us why man is working in level of ignorance because he wants to know. But above all, he's trying to get all of those things which are his desires to be satisfied, to be happy, pleasure, all of those things are the things he's struggling for while he goes into all of the research and whatever thing he needed to do. Which the Lord is saying, Seek me first. This thing that you want to be looking for, you get them. Now, in seeking him, where do we seek him? Okay, give me Colossians again. Colossians 3, verse number 1. But seek ye first. Okay, here we go. Colossians 3, verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. Remember, Philippians, Ephesians 2 tells us we are risen with Christ and seated together with him where in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Seek those things. There are things he asks you to seek for. But you see, we've left what we ought to be seeking for and we seek for the things which ought to be coming to us naturally. If you are born again, seek those things which are above. Because that's where your spirit came from. That's where your spirit is. You begin to see realities about who you are. And then you know your tomorrow by who you are. As you seek the things which come from above. Hallelujah. The Christ spirit with which we are born again came into our nature to transform us. By the power of God until his thoughts and desires and actions are filled with 
wisdom and understanding manifesting the life and the glory of the age to come. You see, Paul was speaking to the Hebrew people. He said, if you have tasted of the power and the glory to come, if you turn away to the beggarly things, no man can bring you back to repentance because that is crucifying Christ afresh. Now what was he telling them? He's talking about the power of the age to come, the glory of the age to come. Listen, what happened on the day of Pentecost was just an iceberg. I mean, a tip of the eyes. A greater glory. Now if you want to understand the full glory that is to come, Picture Jesus after resurrection. Just picture him. Listen. Raising a dead man now is not a problem. What I mean that it's as good, very fantastic, but that is not even the full glory that we're talking about. Are you there with me? Because you see him. That is actually the glory of Pentecost, not the glory of Tabernacles. When Jesus manifested the full glory of Tabernacle, remember, even when he turned water to wine, that was the glory. He said, This is the beginning of the miracles when he turned water to wine. He showed forth his glory. Is that okay? That was the glory. Miracles, that was the glory. But he had a higher glory when he rose from the dead. When he came out of the grave, that was a higher glory, not compared to when he turned water to wine. And that is why I keep saying this. Anybody can contest that. He never raised anybody for 40 days. It's not because there were no dead people around at that time. But for 40 good days while walking on the earth, he never raised a single soul. Why? Because if he had raised one soul at that time, that soul would have been alive to this moment. Because he, he was coming from a higher dimension of glory. And this time now, remember what Peter said, See, for I go, have I know, but that which I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He had Peter, I mean, he had the spirit of Christ, he had the energy of Christ within him. You understand what I'm saying? Right. But you see, Jesus now had immortality on the inside of him. All of his body had become immortalized. So if he raises anybody, it will be exactly like him. Therefore, for 40 days, never did any single miracle. Are you still there with me? When he walked in the glory of, if I may use the word of Pentecost, on the other side of the cross, he raised Lazarus. But where is Lazarus today? He's dead. Because that was only full glory. But if you have raised Lazarus after resurrection, Lazarus will have been traveling the world today. Not with a plane ticket. He will have been traveling the world in a supernatural power of an invisible person that can walk into a house and out of the house. Exactly the same thing he did. That is the way Lazarus will have walked. So there's a greater glory that we are talking about that God has for the mind, I mean, has a mind for his people. So this transformation has begun within us, in our spirit, in our soul, and all of this thing comes into full reality. But the power that uses from our mind 
That's why scriptures say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the metamorphosis, you know, from the, 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 the butterfly stage, you know, from one, one the egg then to pupa and then to butterfly. Praise the Lord. So here the glory of God is right within our heart. We are not searching for, we have Him. And anything he wants us to see or to understand, he reveals to us. Hallelujah. And there is something very specific that God also talks about. Part of what I'm sharing with you. You see, all of these things, let me not jump the gun, I'll just take it bit by bit for you. The glory, the righteousness, the fullness of God's life. They are all right now within our spirit as a form of DNA. They will gradually be unfolding. Amen? Look at what Paul said in the book of Philippians 3 verse number 8. You know how Paul was, he was a Pharisee, he was a lawyer, he had all of those stuff. He could boast of, you know, prominence, in the society where recognized. <laughs> but look at what he said. Yeah, doubtless, I can't all things, all things, all the things you're looking for together now. I can't all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. That I may win Christ. I count all of those things, prestigious position, the position of a Pharisee, all of the wealth I've acquired, I call them as rubbish, dung. This is a man that has seen and has seen. He has seen what you call life as a natural man. Now he has seen something greater than what he has seen as a natural man. Verse 9. And that I be found in him, not in having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of faith by, I mean, of, of God by faith. Verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering be made conformable unto his death. If by any means, watch this. Am I attain unto the resurrection of the dead? What resurrection of the dead? What he was saying here is this not resurrection of those in the cemetery. If by any means are we in the midst of us who are dead in Christ, attain to the place of immortality without going through the grave. Because the Greek warrior is ethnecron from among the dead. What dead? Those who are dead in Christ, not dead in sin and trespasses. Colossians 3 says, if you be risen, if you be dead, seek those things which are above. So Paul is now saying, in the midst of this worship, I'm desiring, if it is possible for me to put on immortality while I walk the earth. Are you following that? This is somebody who has seen, like I said before, 
He's seen the world, now he's seen the glory, and he's seen the greater glory. So he's desiring those things which are above. Not things on the earth anymore. Not what shall I eat, what shall I drink, what shall I feed on, what well, I'm going to be clothed. He's not seeking those things anymore. He's seeking something higher. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes some thoughts come to my mind and I'll be wondering, what is life really all about? What is really the meaning of life? You know? And why do one even be doing all of these things, like this kind of a building, is it nearly necessary? I mean, because when I think about people like Paul, sometimes when I read, <laughs> as good as it is to have a family, if you truly come up to this level of what I'm talking about, you want to live without a family. I mean, I'm not prescribing that. I'm just making a statement. Understand what I'm talking about? Because you, you, you lose interest in everything. Everything. Nothing interests you anymore. As far as the natural life is concerned. Because there's something you are seeing that you want to get. And you feel that everything around you is a weight. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. You know, as parents, <laughs> every day you're thinking, what would you do to eat tomorrow morning? <laughs> Am I correct? What are I going to eat tomorrow morning? Oh, time for school is coming. School fees. School fees for number one, number two, number three. You're calculating. You know, that is not heavenly. You don't think in heaven. Honestly. Hallelujah. The natural things in life is weighing us down that we don't we can't drive, we can't be pursued. I mean, we don't have that drive to push on like Apostle Paul is saying here. If only I can attain to that. Something more glorious. Hallelujah. So if Paul is praying at this point in time, think about what kind of prayer we're praying for. And compare it to some of us who want to pray. God, how do I pay off the debt that I'm owing? <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? And did you pay the first one? Another debt is on the front coming. <laughs> so all your life, you're only thinking about how to pay off debt. We are not free as natural people. That's why there is this wall in the heart of man that he cannot find out about tomorrow. Verse 12 says, Not as though I have attained, already attained, either we are already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I can't know myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many of the perfects, be thus minded. And if it anything yet be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. For those of us who are perfect, what does it mean to be perfect? To be perfect is just simply to be in Christ. To be perfect is to be matured. 
Why your thoughts, the natural thoughts, no longer holds you back? This why in Genesis 17, God had to speak to Abraham, say, walk with me and be the perfect. Stop thinking about your backside. Stop thinking about where you're coming from. I press towards the man, forgetting those things that are behind. One thing I do. Because there is something he has seen. So there is nothing behind him that interests him anymore. There's one thing I do. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Do, do you know that? <laughs> we see people today. I, I gave a story here of somebody. Who is going to mental because she's thinking about what happened to her when she was 13, 15 years ago. And she's about 30 something years now. She's going to mentor because something happened to her. She was abused and so on and so forth. Come on. How can that be anything to do with your life at this moment? Except you're not seeing something ahead of you. Align your past? No. So many of us are walking with dead corpse. And you know what that means? Hallelujah. You see what? You see the statement that God made to, to Joshua. Joshua, better walk up and see because my servant is dead. That's the first thing. Now my servant is dead. Joshua. Now, if Joshua is to be thinking about Moses and walking on the road, it's like walking with a dead corpse. God said, My servant is dead. You rise and move on. You can think about your past. That's why you can make progress. Some of you feel so sorrowful about life. I wish my father was alive. I wish my mother was alive. I wish my uncle was alive. <laughs> None of those things will help you. There are some people who have parents who are alive. They had wished they don't have. Am I right? I'm just being honest with you. There are some people. I wish I never had parents. Because... There are some parents that at the end of the day, they are a burden to you. Praise God. You see, your background has nothing to do with your life. I shared that with you the last time we were discussing the issue of no limitation. I mean, if you still remember. And I told you, Joshua, I mean, um, Jephthah was driven away from his father's inheritance and they say your mother was a harlot you cannot partake of anything among us get out of this place that was not enough for Jephthah to go commit suicide how many of you understand that he went on established himself all those around him he trained them become heavy and mighty warriors what's the next thing that happened they went to beg him come and lead us and I love him he said you want me to come lead you are you sure will you allow me to be your head I begin to give the condition, and the people have no option that they say, Yes, we will. If he has gone to hang himself somewhere because they told him if the mother was a prostitute or whatever, he would not come to that place. But he realized that that is not his life. The background, the man, I mean, the woman, whatever it is, even if he's dead or still alive, have nothing to do with the future. Nothing. I press towards the man. Of the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do, I always love this scripture. 
Brethren, I condom how to apprehend them, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. There is something ahead of us. Hallelujah. So we know what tomorrow looks like. We are trying to catch up with tomorrow. Amen. Hallelujah. Unlike the man of the world who cannot find out anything. Amen. Okay. Wow. Are we still here? Let's all therefore. Many of the prophets be thus minded. And if any be of the words minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Verse 16. Nevertheless, wherefore, we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, among them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of them, I mean of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in the shame, who mind what? Earthly things. Praise the Lord. Who mind what? Earthly things. These are putting on men who walk in earthly dimensions. They are unlike the sons of God whose thoughts is constantly heavenly. Seeking the things that are above. Hallelujah. And such people, they are the men coming to the place of putting on what I will call immortality in corruption. For Christ shall come even into our diseased mortal nations and transform them by the power of the Holy Spirit. The kind of revolution taking place within the cell system of our bodies to bring us to that uniqueness of the same identity of His has been the firstborn from among the dead. Praise the Lord. Romans 8 verse 10. And if Christ be you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he shall raise up, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken what? Your mortal bodies by his spirit that will let you. He shall quicken your mortal bodies. This is what it means to be saved from the present evil world. We are receiving a transformation. We are receiving a translation from within our cell system. But the things in the world are no longer having a grip on our lives. We are living for Him. We are not living for whatever things that will give us joy, pleasure, as it were. We are just living for Him. And it's because of this focus that we have. You know, you know, do you know how embarrassing it is that often and again we have headache, stomach pain, Back pain, nose pain, leg pain. Amen. Do you feel happy with that? It's all embarrassing. 
And go and check out all the people that tell you what to eat and what not to eat. Every day. So we tell you, if this you live well. The other one will tell you, that will have disease. Is this well? You, you, you just can't find what kind of food to eat. All because you want to maintain this body. Because sickness is harassing everybody left and right. Is that a lie? Do you feel happy with that? But we're talking about when God's spirit begins to work in your mortal body, touching your cell systems, and changing this body of God to a glorious body. Huh? Go to hospital, they put needle here, put here, everywhere. Give you drip, colored water, all manner of things. You don't even know what is inside. You just take because you don't want to die. Because the body can no longer stand itself. The spirit itself is unable. That's why you need more of Christ. Every day. You need him every day. Give us this day our daily bread, which is the life of God. For man must not live by bread alone, but by every word. So the daily bread is the daily word that God imparts to your life. Hallelujah. The truth of the matter then is, Christ is saving men from the present evil world. Not just some days to come, but what? Now. Are together? We are being saved even now, not some days to come. I showed you that last week from the life of the life of who? Noah. Remember that? Noah finds favor in the sight of God. For God considered him perfect in his generation. So he was already saved before the time of the judgment. And the life of Christ is saving us even now. Hallelujah. Let me show you something. People that have hope of what I'm talking about. Second Peter 3, look at 13 and 14. Second Peter 3, 13, 14. Help me, Lord. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for what? New heavens and new earth. Wherein dwelleth what? Righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him, in peace, without spots, and blameless. You enter into it. A new earth and a new heaven came into being after the flood. And no one was able to walk into that. Genesis chapter 9. How many of you remember that? Such that the same promise that God gave to man in the beginning was given to Adam, I mean, uh, to Noah. Have dominion over everything. Why? Because God found him faithful before the judgment time. So we are being saved now by the life of Christ. The more you receive him, the more you put him the world behind you. The more you is looking for something glorious. We're looking for a new earth wherein dwelling world righteousness. Now it's not just the art up there, it's your body. First, we are born the image of the arty, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So there has to be a redemption of this art. Before the redemption of that act. For it was this act 
that came into corruption that that art came into corruption. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Adam fell, earth was cursed. So, for the art to be revived back to the realm of glory, it has to begin from you. Man was taken from the art, so the art was called, and the art was cursed. <laughs> Are you following me? That's why the change has to happen within your being. The transformation has to happen within your being. They have to be life. It should give you a source of concern that you live the life you're living. It, it should be a pain that will walk the way we walk. Hallelujah. There is a place for divine health. And it moves on and on to the place of full glory. It's available. We are being saved from the present evil world. So here we are talking about when the fullness of the kingdom of God shall take over the earth and man's thoughts and actions are completely swallowed up by God's thoughts. Anytime, anywhere, you're thinking God, you're talking God. Hallelujah. We'll come to that place where Jesus will begin to tell us again and again, Thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it were in heaven. So to be saved from the present evil world doesn't mean to be taken away. It means to be transformed. It means to be in a different condition or state of being than the world is. Hallelujah. The point comes when mankind shall feel the impact of this glory of the kingdom of God globally. Just like this pandemic of COVID-19 has done. There is no corner of the globe that COVID-19 didn't affect. Am I correct? Good. And that is the way it's going to be. That the impact of the kingdom shall be felt globally. This is just a typical example. When the power of this pandemic came in, there is no hole in this universe that was not affected. And that's the way it's going to be. We all became uniform people because we're fighting a common disease by wearing face mask. Everybody have the same dress, dress code. The dress code is face mask. Why? Because something was impacting human life. And I'm saying the same thing, that the time is coming when God's kingdom is going to impact the whole world. Are you following me? How oh, come on? I learned so much when I was studying this, and I was looking at this issue of COVID-19. God was teaching me a lot of things. How many of you understand? Human beings were source of transmitting this thing largely, isn't it? Nigeria got it because an Italian came in. Oh, now I see. If a son of God stepped into a system, hallelujah. You follow what I'm talking about? He came in with disease. When you go in as God, king of person, you begin to impact the whole place. The time is coming. So we are looking for and searching for and pushing for what? A new heaven and a new earth. Well, in dwellers was righteousness. 
that when you step into an environment tomorrow, the impact will be felt. And that is not what somebody is going to treat and take out of you because it's life. Hallelujah. You can see the virus. I mean, you can see the virus as it were. But you know it's around because you can feel the impact and the influence globally. Am I right? You can see the virus, COVID 19. You, you can touch the virus. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can't. But you know it's there. You're scared of it. You're protecting yourself. Men are transmitting it. And that is the way it's going to be. That one righteous seed of God will become a source of influence all over the world. So, Hebrews, I mean, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. And this is what I love so much about this. Let me see what I can do. Hallelujah. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water does what? Cover the sea. The earth shall be, whether we believe it or not, this is coming. The air shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Praise the living God. So, being saved from this present evil world means to be holy instead of vile, spiritual instead of carnal, heavenly minded instead of earthly minded, peaceful instead of agitated, full of wisdom and understanding instead of ignorance and foolishness, full of faith instead of fear and frustration, living instead of dying. That's what it means to be saved from the present evil world. Instead of walking in foolishness, you walk in the wisdom of God. Instead of dying, you are living. Are you still there with me? This is how you have been saved. When your wisdom begins to come alive, instead of walking in foolishness, when faith begins to sound strong in your heart, instead of fear, you have been saved from the present evil world. It's not a tomorrow thing. It's a now thing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, we come into the place where we begin to exhibit the life of Christ from the present evil world. Men will begin to see that somebody has risen. So again, let's look at that. Romans chapter 5, 9 to 10. The ways of God are mysterious. That's the truth about that. Now, 5 to 10. Much more then, being not justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, glory, glory, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved the world by his life. Praise the living God. So now, here is how Jesus prayed. We shall be saved by what? His life. Where is his life? Within us. Glory, glory. Just like coronavirus was attacking people men become carriers you become the carrier of the life of God and you begin to influence people influence changes wherever you find yourself you become a source of influence is anybody getting what I'm talking about we are saved by his life doses are dropping and when we are fed or minister to people we transmit the same life that we have unto those people that they too might be saved 
from this present evil world. Hallelujah. And so here is what Jesus prayed for these people who are beginning to see this in the book of John 17. 15 to 17. Book of John 17, 15 to 17. I pray now that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from what? The evil. Keep them, protect them, deliver them from the evil. Remember what he said, I mean what we're dealing with? That he may deliver us from the present world, evil world. And Jesus prayed that prayer before he left. Did you get that? That you may preserve them from this evil one. Protect them, save them from this evil one. What's the next thing? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. What's the next thing? Sanctify them through their word. And what is that? Thy word is truth. Praise the Lord. Sanctify them. Make them holy. Make them righteous. Keep them in faith. Keep them in focus. Draw them to yourself through the word. That is why when you don't study the word, <laughs> when you don't study the word, you're cutting up yourself from being delivered from this world, present evil world. Is the word. Hallelujah. So that was Noah's condition, like I said before. Instead of being was in there, I mean, all around it was the realm of corruption, but it was perfect before God. You remember that? Right. And now it's our turn to be perfect with God, to walk with God, and be completely delivered out of this present evil world into the life and power and glory of the kingdom of God, which is a new age, the very new condition, the new state of being, the new world. This is really what you call the new world order. Every other thing is fake. You have no cause to be afraid of what people call the new world order. All of those things talking about Illuminati, whatever. Nothing is going to work. Because scripture said that very clearly. Book of Revelation. They who want to destroy the earth. Him shall God also do what? Destroy no man is going to be able to destroy this head. Forget about all those people planning. They're going to bring vaccine to inject you. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. Forget it. It's not going to work. For all those who want to destroy the earth, him shall God himself do what? Destroy. They have a limited time. Once they have the thought of destroying the earth, then their limited time is come to fulfillment. Hallelujah. So, so true is the world. When you talk of world ends, when that will control men are no longer controlling you, the world therefore has ended for you. Simple. Did you hear what I said? What is controlling men, the influence of the world? If it's no longer controlling you, the world has ended. You are not getting what I'm saying here. <laughs> are you still there with me? Talk about end of the world. End of the world. What is the end of the world? It's when the world is no longer influencing your life. The world has ended. You are into another world, a new age, a new life. So, what controls your life? Is it the world or the spirit of Christ? That's the main thing. 
When the world stopped controlling you, the world has ended. We are talking of being delivered from the present evil world, isn't it? So, if you have been delivered from it, has it not ended? It has ended. Within the world is the globe. The world is not the globe. Hallelujah. So, this is it's so simple. Ha. Ah. You can test all of this thing by the designment of the thing that pertains to the kingdom of God. Or it's of the world. Anything you see, anything you're walking in, you can test it. Is this God or the world? And I repeat that again to your hearing. The day this world stops controlling you, and you are not being controlled by the Spirit of Christ in His kingdom, the world has ended. For you, it has ended. Hmm? Remember what happened on the day on Pentecost when Peter was speaking? I spoke with Prophet Joel. Huh? Talk about the end of the world, the end of the age. Right? What ended? Judaism ended when it came from the upper room. And that's what Joel prophesied about. So when anything ends, that is the thing that no longer controls your life. It ends. So if the world is no longer controlling you, the world has ended. For you as an individual. So some of us, the world should be ending for us. And it's not ending for us at the same time. Because the vibrations we receive from Christ is not at the same level. So men are walking outside of the influence of this world. But other people are still being controlled fully by the influence of this world. But for those who have gone out of that realm, the world has ended. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. For we know that all that is in the world is not of the Father, isn't it? 1 John 2 verse 16 tells us that it's not of the Spirit of the Father. Just read it. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 16. How oh, glory. For all that is in the world, the loss of the flesh and the loss of the eye and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. You know the word? It's not of the spirit of the Father, but of the world. So you must understand, like I said initially, when the world was beginning to be introduced, not when it manifested, but the introduction was actually in Genesis 3. Before it fully manifests in Genesis 4. When the serpent came and began to tell the woman, If you eat of this tree, you'll be wise. Your eyes shall be opened. Hallelujah. Come on. Are you still there with me? You know, when we read in the Bible, sometimes we look very childish when we read the scriptures and say, And they ate and they found that they were naked. What kind of nakedness was this? How do we think they were naked because they had no clothes on? No! If that is the case, how was Israel naked when Aaron made the golden calf for them? Moses said, you made the whole nation to be one naked. So were they walking without clothes? To be naked means you lost the glory of God. You lost the presence of God. Adam and Eve were naked, not because they had no clothes on. <laughs> Somebody said, but God made them animal skin? Yes. What is that supposed to mean? He gave them a religion. To keep them until the fullness of time. 
<laughs> Glory to God. That's why they were animal sacrifices. Just to keep them on until the fullness of time. That's religion. That's what he gave to Moses. Same thing. How many of you remember that what actually they used to clothe themselves was fig leaves? You remember that? Why do you think Jesus called the fig tree? Because that was Israel. No man. Remember, Jesus was not a crazy guy. The Bible tells us that it was not the time for figs. So, how was he expecting to collect fruit when it was no time for figs? But he was simply saying, man, I'm not going to the cross. Hey, you, religion of the Jews, no man shall partake of you anymore. You just have to go. So, from the root, I'm approaching you. No more religion of Judaism. That's what he did on the fig tree. Nothing to do with one fig tree and then test your faith. Come on. Same thing that happened if I had destroyed what happened in Eden. Instead of using the fig leaf, condemn the fig leaf. No more. What was the fruit of the tree is what we are working on today. When he ate. That's why the place of consecration is your eyes, your mouth and your hand. I will share that during the camp. Because when he saw, he took, she ate. She saw, she took, she ate, defiled. So you want to come to consecration? Your eyes, your mouth, your hand. He said, what's my hand? They shall lay hand on the sick, they shall recover. Ministry. What power are you operating with? How we discuss all of that during the camp? Are you listening to me? All these things are of the world. So when they end for you, the world has ended. You enter into another age, into another life, to another spirit, to another vibration. You now begin to see with the eyes of God. And hear with the ears of God. And speak with the mouth of God. For you become the tabernacle of God. And Jesus will say, I will, I will do nothing except what I see the Father do. He was not working with any, any structure guiding him, but rather the spirit of the Father. And he wasn't seeing. That is why you're seeing. It's not really opening your eyes and seeing so stop there. You behold the glory of the Father resident within you. Because you can see what Jesus said. If you don't want to believe me for all the things that I'm doing, believe the works that I do. For it is not me that is doing the work, it's the Father that is dwelling within me. So he said, I see the Father. He wasn't seeing anybody up there. He will see the glory. He will get the witness in his spirit. He knows exactly when the Father wants to walk. And so he will speak. And when he speaks, the Father comes out to perform the miracle. Same thing with you. He resides within your life. You need to heal somebody. If you can be sensitive to what he wants to talk to you about, at a particular time, you stretch forth your hand, miracle takes place. Not you, but him who is resident within your life. You become the hands of God. He passing through your hand. When you lay hands on the sick, it's flowing to your hand. You look at people. You see situation. You're using your natural eyes. You're using his own eyes to see things in people. Praise the living God. Man, this is a life that is so wonderfully good. This is a life that is supernatural. This is a life that when you start living that life, you wouldn't want to go back. That's what Paul said. Everything behind me is trash. We want to go back. 
So it's not about being religious. That's how it's like to make you see. It's not about being in church. It's about what is presently your frequency of life. How do you live now? What do you see? What do you see? Even the commonness of all things that enables you to see, some of you don't even have it. And what's that? Dream. Do you dream? None of you. The only dream you have is how somebody is pursuing you. That's the only dream that you have. You don't have anything else. You can see your future. But remember, I told you. Let me read those two scriptures with the five minutes so that you can see what I'm trying to say. Can we take that? I just want to share something with you. For you to know that you have to move beyond this level of life that you're living. Go to Job 33, verse 14. Job 33, verse 14. For God speaketh once, yet twice. Yet man persevered not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deeply falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed. What's the next thing? Then he opened the ears of men and sealed all their instruction. What's the instruction? Your natural eyes, your natural ears, everything about your natural understanding is sealed up and it begins to communicate to your spirit. You know what happens? It begins to talk to your spirit. It begins to give you images. And so those images are playing out. And when you wake up, you begin to say, Well, I have this dream. I have this dream that was God speaking to your human spirit. Are you listening to me? This is how we call the lowest level. But do you know that this is service prophetic? Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy 13. Let me show you something. That's why you see, most time before you go to bed, <laughs> read the scriptures, listen to some messages, and go to bed. Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. Look at it. Deuteronomy 13, verse number 1. If there arise, that's what the Bible says. If there arise among you a prophet or what? A dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. So, if a prophet can tell you this is going to happen, a dreamer can tell you this is going to happen. So, here you see a dreamer and a prophet are on equal pedestal. They are working at the same level. Look at the next thing. And the sign of the one that come to pass, wherefore he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. And the next thing says, Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of the prophet, or the dreamer of dream. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That is the only thing. So, number one, if a prophecy is given to you and it comes to pass, doesn't mean... It's always from God. You have to check the source. Are you following what I'm talking about? So what am I trying to say? If you come to the place of being a good dreamer, you are like a prophet. And the things you see can come to pass. When your spirit is fully connected with the spirit of the Father, you begin to walk in a different level of frequency. You enjoy sleep. Because then it's a realm of communion with the Father. Are you catching this? Friends, I want to make you understand this. 
the Lord has come to deliver us by His own Spirit and by His life within us from this present world, evil world. So I speak to your life that evil sicknesses, which is not part of the Spirit of Christ resident to you, shall not continuously mess you up in the name of Jesus Christ. For we are delivered from this present evil world. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.